Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Welcome everybody to the show tonight. Those just tuning in, this is First Man Radio. I want to um, stop this. Radio is January 9th, uh, 2016. Time approximately is 9.30 p.m. And uh, we got a, a, a very, very informational show for uh, our listeners tonight. You know what I mean? It's a pleasure and it's also an honor to have this woman come on the show. I've been, you know what I mean, following her uh, online for quite some time now. And, um, you know, I finally, you know, I made the contact and it's an honor to have her on the show to, uh, tonight. I want to welcome to the show Mrs. Sherry Pill Jackson. Hello, are you there? Hi, Chuck. Thanks for having me on the show. Uh, thank you. Appreciate you coming on. Coming on. Um, it's, it's a pleasure. It's an honor. Um, I'm so excited to even ha- to have to be speaking with you right now. And um, uh, again, welcome to the show, Mrs. Uh, Jackson. Thank you. Um, it's start, Miss Jackson, by the way. Mrs. Jackson, yes, yes. Miss, no, Miss Jackson. Oh, Miss, Miss Jackson, okay. Yes. Correction, everybody. <laughs> How are you? <laughs> Happy New Year's to you. And you too. I am doing fantastic. Definitely. Now, um, I I came across um, uh, it was a I, I guess it was a um, uh, a seminar that you were doing. And you were speaking on um, being a, a for, being an IRS agent, and, and when you noticed that uh, it was in the tax law, stating that the citizens, and if I'm um, wrong, you know, just correct me, that uh, is, there's no tax law sta- stating that uh, citizens had to pay taxes, and um, that's one of the things I wanted to talk to you about, just to get you know some information about your story and um, some of the things you're doing now. Well, I worked for the IRS from 1988 to 1995. At that point, I really didn't have a clue. You know, I was just like most of the other uh, internal revenue agents out there, just thinking they're doing their job for their country. It was when I left the IRS that people started approaching me and telling me that they'd done research and they couldn't find any law that made Americans that work and live in the 50 states liable for the income tax. And yeah, I listened to a couple of them, and it start, I started hearing it more frequently, which made me think, well, there may be something something to this. And I still didn't research immediately, but mm-hmm. in 2000, 2000, the year 2000, uh, 
uh, let me back up a little bit. I had uh, at the IRS for the last seven and a half years. Well, I was there seven and a half years. For the last two and a half years that I was there, they had me auditing ministers. So when I came out, I was determined to help these ministers stay clear of the IRS. And one of my minister clients called me in the summer of 2000 and said, uh, you know, one of my parishioners is, is just chomping at the bit to talk to you. Will you talk to her? And I did. And mm-hmm. this lady water holds me down with all this information that she had heard about the income, the the definition of income not even being in the Internal Revenue Code and the real definition being uh, in the Constitution was corporate profits and all these things. And I listened to her. And then a couple of weeks later, she called me back and she said, "Miss Jackson, the stuff that I was talking to you about a couple of weeks ago is in the USA Today. And that was in July 2000. There was a group called... We the People Foundation for Constitutional yeah. Education that was headed up by Bob Schultz, and he had started putting out some USA Today ads, and I read that ad, and that's when I found out about Joe Bannister, which was a, another former IRS agent, but he was in the Criminal Investigation Division, and his book, okay. and I ordered his book, and there was a $50,000 challenge in there for anybody to find the law, and I said, well, these people are serious, so I started researching, and to this day, I have not found that. I found a lot of other stuff, like, you know, the Federal Reserve is the one that's the in charge, the banksters, and they're collecting millions of dollars in interest from the American people every day, and that's where the tax money goes. It doesn't go towards fixing the roads or the schools yeah. or the policemen or the firemen or any of that. So it was a long road of education, but it was a decision that needed to be made. Am I going to keep this to myself, or am I going to tell people? And I felt like the people needed to know, and they needed to be able to make decisions for themselves what they were going to do about it. Now, because I never did tell people to file or not to file or to pay or not to pay, then they never did find any felony charges for me. So they actually locked me up for, they they actually convicted me on a misdemeanor and gave me a four-year sentence, of which I served three years. They had to give me six months good time and six months halfway house just because they had to. But they kept me in there to the day for three years because... You can do you can you can do all kinds of things around here if it doesn't have to do with the money. But when you start messing with these folks and the money, if they don't care whether you're a homeschooling mother and that you never had a record or any of that, they'll yeah. get you down, and that's what happened. But that's okay because and still I rise. Definitely, and um, and and during this time, like um, when you was finding this information out, <coughs> I, I want to ask you, you know, um, what made you just, you know, like just voluntarily just start, you know, uh, informing the public? It, it When I, I got, see, at that time I had started a CPA firm. I left the IRS to come home and be June Cleaver. I was going to stay home and take care of the family and all that nice stuff. But I got tired of being broke. So I had a yeah. nice large basement, and I started the CPA firm in the basement, and I was making pretty good money. I was making six figures. And when I started, when I started realizing that, you know what, the, the, large checks that I'm writing the IRS, which, by the way, my name for the IRS is the Insidious Representatives of Satan. But these large checks that I'm writing them, it's not going towards the roads or the policemen or the firemen. It's going towards some wealthy banking families, some some Rockefellers and some Rothschilds and some Morgans and all these children's children's children to never have to work a day in their life. And I'm sitting here in this basement sometimes 16 hours with reruns of Star Trek to keep me awake while I finish all this work so that I can just have my family have a decent vacation. And these folks will never have to day, work a day in their life. And it was like the black woman clicked. It clicked in my head. It's like this is not happening. 
Yeah. So I started telling people about it. It's like these people need to know that we are slaves. And in my office on the wall, I have a poster. And at the top of the poster, it says slavery. And in the middle, there's a picture, and it has about nine slaves in a cotton field. And at the bottom of it, it says, if stealing 100% of the product of someone's labor is slavery, at what percentage is it not slavery? Mm. Ask yourself that. So basically, mm. we are all slaves. And I did not want to be a slave. I wanted to help people get off the plantation. And a lot of people did turn around and tell me, Harriet Tubman, you know, they called me that. But I, I, I didn't tell people what to do. I just told them, this is what's going on. Research it for yourself. Don't believe me. Don't believe them. You go and do your own research. And so that's, you know, I, I hooked up with Joe Bannister and others, and we started traveling. Of course, you know that Aaron Russo, the director of Trading Places, Eddie Murphy and the Rosewood Bet Midler, yeah. went and made the documentary America, Freedom, the Fascism, and that's when it was on. Yeah. Because the, the, we, we got the eye of the Congress and all those, and Senator Charles Grassley started going after us. So that's yeah. when the prosecution started. And that's what started making all the noise right there that, at that point. Um, I wanted to ask you, too, um, during, during, has, does it still affect you in any way since, you know, um, being incarcerated um, as a result of this thing, these things? Like, has it affected you since you've returned home into society? Well, yeah. I mean, I, 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 first of all, they didn't break me. You know, I, I, my health went down a little bit in that. But I was determined to come out better than I was or at least as good as I was. So there were some, some guidelines and some rules that I set in place when I was in there. I didn't watch television and all that. I made plans. I wrote up plans, and, and those plans are, are coming to fruition right now. But, yeah, it still affects me. I got divorced because women just couldn't keep their hands off my husband and, you know, he didn't object enough, so now I'm divorced. That was one of the things. Another thing is, you know, the job market. When I was in there, yeah. I went in on Valentine's Day 2008. On September 29th of that same year, the stock market went down 777.68 points, and Americans lost $10.2 trillion in savings. When I came out, it was a different United States than it was that I went in. Mm-hmm. There were people that had to come out of retirement because they lost half of the money or more that they had in their retirement funds, and there were people that had to delay retirement. So you had bankers working at daycare centers, and it was crazy. So the economy was totally different, and getting a job for a lot of people, especially if you have a record, even if it's not a felony. I mean, I was I was looking into some things, and uh, – they asked you, had you ever been convicted? And I'm going to tell the truth. I've been convicted on a misdemeanor. And it was okay until I said that I spent three years in prison. And they said, oh, no, this is a felony. People just yeah. could not believe that you spend three years in prison on a misdemeanor because the definition of a misdemeanor is one year in a jail yeah. and doesn't involve a, a penitentiary. However, I was so much hated by them that they wanted to shut me down because I was being effective in teaching the people the truth about their finances. So that's yeah. what happened. So, yeah, it, it was still a And, you know, some people, the American people, Chuck, are so fearful. Uh, getting back to the jury, I wanted to ask the jury, I wanted the attorney to ask the jury this question. Mm-hmm. Would you be afraid to acquit Ms. Jackson for fear of IRS retribution on yourself? I do believe that every hand in there would have been raised. 
and it would have been jury nullification because everybody's yeah. so fearful of the IRS. So I really walked in there with not much of a choice. Every once in a while, like Bernie Kublin and Joe Bannister got some thinking people that weren't yeah. afraid to start asking questions. But American yeah. people are so fearful of the truth that, you know, th- those that take a stand, you know, they, they kind of get knocked down a whole lot of times. But that's okay. Uh, what we need to do at this point, Chuck, is teach mm-hmm. the people how to keep what they earn, even if they're not going to stand up against the insidious representatives of Satan. Definitely. I, I want to ask you this. Um, would you say that the people are conditioned to think this way based on how society has, you know, how people grew up in society? You know, we, we you know, if we don't get the same education in, in urban areas as kids in a uh, middle class area. So do you think is, you know, that's part of the, them being fearful, you know, because the way we're conditioned, to, you know, as people? The whole thing is all by design. It started way back, and I know that you've probably heard of a book called The Creature from Jekyll Island by G. Mm-hmm. Edward Griffin. And when when the Rockefellers and the Warburgs and all those decided that they wanted to take power and create the Federal Reserve and the IRS, they came down to Georgia, to Jekyll Island, to do that. They, you know, put things in place for their families and themselves. The Rockefellers and all hired PR people back then, and one of the guys they hired, I forget his name, forgive me, but he was the one that made up that stupid um, slogan, and everybody can finish this for me. There's nothing sure in life but finish it for me. There's nothing sure in life but what? Okay, well, mo- I'm sure most of your listeners have heard there's nothing yeah. sure in life but death and taxes. Yeah. You've heard that before. Yeah. Yeah, and they made that up. So they, they the whole fear-mongering thing from way back then all the way up to this Al-Qaeda stuff is to okay. keep, when you keep people in fear, you keep control over them. So, yes, and it is all by design that, the the kids that are in certain neighborhoods don't even get the the education and the knowledge and the books and the computers and other ones do that that's all by design but chuck the problem is we sit here and we complain about it and we do nothing my father is a very hardline guy pragmatic and he would never let me complain he would say if you don't like where you are at point a go mm-hmm. to point b don't complain about it so we complain a lot and we call into the radio shows with the Rush Limbaugh's and all those folks and let off all that steam, but talk is cheap. We need to start doing something about our own educational system. If we want our children to be properly educated, why are we sending them to government schools? Because it's convenient and we we are so much in debt that we don't have the money to send them where they need to go or we don't have the money to stay home and homeschool. These things have to change. If we're really serious about change, we have to make some lifestyle changes. We have to turn off that thing that I call the electronic income reducer mm-hmm. or the electronic in- intellect reducer called the television. Forget about it. If you're not making at least $10,000 a month, you don't need to be watching television anyway. Yeah. We need to start taking care of our families. That's all we have, families first. This yeah. is the first institution. We're not doing what we're supposed to. We're sending our kids off, and they're being indoctrinated in all kind of crazy ways. They are being programmed to be little subservient, obedient workers in the banksters' factories and the corporations' factories. And we're letting it happen. And, yeah, and, and, and you know, I, I say this all the time because I see it over and over again, and then I see we have a Million Man March, and then, like, 
2,000 vendors to go out there to sell hot dogs, you know, uh, rather than every, uh, you know, black man that shows up for the Million Man March could show up with $1 to, to represent, you know, Black Lives Matter or some, you know, something to sh- rattle the, you know, the masses to show them that, you know, like it, it's not always about, you know, the money that, you know, these folks said they have in these areas and it's none in our areas, you know, because I, I really believe, you know, it's, uh, you know, miscellaneous money that we waste on little things that we could, you know, invest in each other and, and, and build some big things in our community. So I, I see a lot of what you're saying and I agree with you on it. Um. Yeah, we we spend over forty six million dollars a year in conspicuous consumption as a as yeah. a black people. That means that means Nike and Gucci yeah. and and Coach and all that stuff and all these uh, tennis shoes that cost one hundred twenty dollars, but really cost the, the the company five dollars to make. We're buying all these big cars and trading in these. Cars. We are just I don't know who the Joneses are that we're trying to keep up with. <laughs> They're probably as heavily in debt as everybody else. And you can't help anybody when you're in debt. So we need a total brain makeover. I understand and have studied the Jewish culture. They keep their money circulating in their community at least seven times. We get paid on Friday, and we are broke on Sunday night. Because Friday we party, and Saturday we spend all day in the mall giving our money away. We need a mindset change. And I don't know what it's going to take to change people's mind, but we don't have long to deal with the situation because the economy is getting ready to do another one of those 2008 things anyway. So we need to wake up as a people. Now, as far as us uh, soliciting or keeping our money in the community, Mm -hmm. another problem that I see is the lack of professional service. A lot of people complain about not wanting to spend the money in the community because the service is terrible. So our businesses need to take on a spirit of excellence and give the kind of service that will bring the customer back. I should not have to go in one of our restaurants to try to patronize one of our businesses and go in and the bathroom looks like it hadn't been cleaned in three days. That should not be. Yeah. Or I should not see, the the food should not be cold. These are things that people are experiencing. So even though some of our people, and I'm not making excuses, but some of our people have had such bad experiences with our businesses. So it, it goes both ways. We need to, first of all, get ourselves together as business people and present something that is going to be presentable and com- and competitive with other folks and then more people will probably uh, patronize our businesses. That's a big problem around here. I don't know about where you are, but here in the ATL, it's a problem. Oh uh, yeah, this I'm in New Jersey, so I, I'm pretty sure it's, it's the same thing, you know. Here, um, mm-hmm. I wanted to um, uh, ask you about um, you was you were talking online. I saw a video where you were saying um, how to start preparing now for Social Security runs out of money. And I just wanted uh just to get a little insight from you on that and um some of the things some of us can do in case of that happen for those that are, you know, getting social security. Well, for the folks that are getting it right now, I don't know how long they're going to be getting it, but I am a ba- a baby boomer. I am the last of the baby boomers. I am 53 years old. By the time I get to be 65, there will be no social security. 
right now for every person that is receiving Social Security, there are seven people working for it. So the people that are out there with a job that have Social Security big time and Medicare taken out of their check, it is not stored up for them. It's being immediately used for every baby boomer who is retiring every day. There's like what I hear over a thousand, way over a thousand baby boomers retiring every day now. So we need to get to the point that we need to stop depending on government and stop depending on banks and start our own businesses. I have looked back in history and points where we had whole cities. Uh, Auburn Art Avenue here in the ATL used to be an example where we had blocks of businesses. And we don't may, maybe not want to do that in brick and mortar right now, but we can start home-based businesses. With the onset of the Internet, it's never been easier to make money. I know, personally, have touched people that are making twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000 a day online because they turned off the electronic income reducer and they started studying how to make money online. I have just finished two books. 2016 is my year. My first book is called How to Escape the Rat Race, Four Keys to Acquiring the Life of Your Dreams. In that book, I describe how we need to do the things that's going to make us wealthy, which is get out of debt, i.e., decreasing our expenses, and increasing our income. That's the only way we're going to make it. So if you're not about increasing your income, then you're not going to get out of debt because the debt is going to be there. So turn off the TV and start making sure you have things in place for yourself and your family because pink slips, pink slips are still going out like crazy. My second book that I finished, and both of them are hitting the press, they're hitting hitting the streets on the 13th of this month, Okay, is... How to Stick It to the IRS, Confessions from a Former Insider. And I'm, this is a tell-all book. It's one of those books where I'm just it telling everything like because they are stealing our money. They are stealing our resources. Our time, our talents, and our treasures should be going towards our family, our churches, and the places that we wanted to go to. But if every paycheck they're taking 25 or 30% out, then that's leaving you with enough to live off of and not even a decent vacation. So that's got to stop. So How to Stick It to the IRS, both of those books are coming out. They'll, I am having um, websites set up, but for now, if people go to my blog site, sherrypeeljackson.org, and subscribe, then they'll get the notice when the websites are up. But I'm serious. I will be traveling the country this year doing one-day all-intensive workshops on escaping the rat race and on sticking it to the IRS because I am trying to, to holler from the rooftops, we don't have much time to prepare. Because if you don't have your own business and you're depending on corporations and you're depending on the government, then you're, you're going to be down, you're going to be up the creek pretty soon. Definitely. Um, I also uh, wanted to ask you as far as um, uh investing um you spoke about investing in real investments and I just wanted to get from you like some of those investments what would some of those investments be uh cons- that that are considered real investments well most people 
IRAs, wealthy people don't invest in IRAs, 401ks, and mutual funds. Those gurus that come on television talking about stocks and bonds and all that, they may have a little in there just because they have to because they talk about them. Mm -hmm. But wealthy people invest in hard assets. I want people to know, first of all, before they try to start investing, they need to save money first. They need to have insurance together, and they need to have assurance together, which is about six months of expenses. Because it doesn't make any sense for you to be throwing two and three and four hundred dollars into some investments, and then you don't have enough money. So when your car breaks down, or your water heater, or your air conditioner goes out, you're going to have to take out of that investment fund, which I see all the time. But hard assets are gold, silver, oil, water, mm. profitable real estate, wind power. Those are some hard assets. And I'm talking about real estate here in the United States and real estate in other countries. I have people that I know that are buying condos in places like Panama and Ecuador because it's just like if you had bought real estate in the 60s in Hawaii. A lot of people are leaving the United States right now and moving to other countries like that. We are having a serious brain drain. The people with money and the people with wherewithal see the writing on the wall. They see where this country is going. And if they're not leaving permanently, they're setting up residency in other countries so that when the excrement hits the portable cooling device, they'll be able to get on a plane, get out of Dodge, and wait it out or stay. Well, those of those people that have not prepared, that are sitting up watching Dancing with the Stars and the Atlanta Housewives, will be stuck in this mutt. Mm-mm-mm. And that and and that's you know pretty much the, uh, what's going on here. And I, um, I you know I, it, it's a couple things. I got so many questions I want to ask you, Miss Jackson. Go right um, ahead. And, uh, you know, because I, I look at a lot of the television people watch, and I watch the music industry change, like, dramatically over the years because it just promotes nonsense. And, um, you know, I kind of feel like, you know, that's part of, you know, like, um, the downfall with, like, a lot of our teenagers and, you know, a lot of our youth that that could go to school and potentially become something. They, they you know, they're looking at the things that's glorified and, and uh, in the music industry, and kind of you know, hoping that that would uh, you know, that's what their future going to be if they follow that that route. Um, you said that is you said that um, a lot of things are by design. I wanted to ask you, you know, on the outside looking in about the music in- industry, do you think it's designed strictly for the failure of uh, um, you know, the youth in urban cities? I do. There, I don't know if you are familiar with TED Talks, but somebody sent me over a mm-hmm. TED Talk, and it was a white minister that either is still or or used to be at a black church here in the Atlanta area, okay. and he was talking about Black Lives Matter and why is it that we have all these rappers and all these killings and all that and we think it's commonplace it's no big deal every day all day we hear on the radio about black on black crime why is it not a big deal and it's partially because the corporations are funding this rca and the other ones he went back and showed he talked he brought us back to 
the marches that Martin Luther King had. And if you recall, there was a time that the buses were being boycotted. After the bus boycott was settled and black people no longer were required to sit at the back of the bus, there was a picture that he showed in his TED Talk of Martin Luther King standing in front of one of those buses. Mm -hmm. And the thing that stood out was the bus had an advertising advertisement on the front of it from Coca-Cola. So Coca-Cola was sponsoring and funding this bus company that was making people sit in the back of the bus. And that was his first example. So it's being made commonplace because the corporations are funding it, again, all by design. And one of the things that really stood out, excuse me, in this TED Talk, and I'll try to find it for you, was the fact that there was a there's a rapper. I forget his name because I'm not into rap. He mentioned this guy having a contract with, I believe it was RCA or one of those other ones, and he's as long as he rapped about women being B's and H's and killing cops and all that, it was okay. But he slipped some words into one of his songs pertaining to date rape. And everybody got outraged because date rape is not necessarily our issue. He said something about date rape and they hated it. And they canceled his contract. Mm. I was literally appalled. I had to listen to it again. So do you mean that the corporations are saying it's okay for you to talk about all this other stuff and all this destruction and and killing and raping and murdering, but when you bring up an issue from the Caucasian community, which is date rape, you get your whole contract canceled. Yeah. What that brought me back to was the year that Denzel Washington and Halle Berry won those Oscars. After all the great work that Denzel did, he got an Oscar for acting the fool. Yeah. And she got an Oscar for opening her legs to you-know-who. So what that told us is, just keep doing this, and you'll keep being rewarded. So, yes, this is all funded by those that we call the powers that be, the corporatocracy. The corporations, the banksters, and the government are funding all this so-called rap music and all that. And okay. as long as our children are allowed by the parents to listen to all that foolishness, then we're not going to get properly educated so that we can get out of this situation. I agree. Cause it, cause a, a lot of the music, you know, like the, it glorify just like to be a drug dealer, like grow up black man and be a drug dealer, grow up and be a killer, be a gang member. And the more, like you see it every day when you visit these urban cities, you see a lot of, you know, you see this, you see that, that, that uh, there's no souls or no hope in some of these people's eyes. You know, mm-hmm. and uh, and 
And and one of the things I, I always said too is you know for every independent art and for those that's out there listening for every independent artist that's out there that aspires to be uh, this mega superstar you know like you got to validate yourself you know what I mean and and you don't have to follow the mainstream structure because they made a they made it a multi million dollar industry off of your music and your hard sweat and tears if we band together city to city country to country. And did this, do the same thing. You were making a multi-billion-dollar industry in your own right, right here. You know, and you know, Black Wall Street. You know, so many examples of it was done over the years. It's like people don't want to do it. You know, they fear to do it now. In a sense, you know, we 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 had Black Wall Street. What what happened? My father says it that integration was the worst thing that ever happened to black people, and and I kind of believe him a little bit. Yeah. More than a little bit, because when we were integrated, we we got together. We had ideas. We helped each other. We started businesses, and that's how these areas got started. But then when we flowed into everything else, we just you know got mixed in there, and we stopped being producers, and we started just being consumers. Now, Chuck, I sent you the uh, TED Talk, and for your listeners, it's called Black Murder is Normal by Michael Smith. And okay. when you know, look at this white man talking at first, you know, you, you might think, oh, you know, he's he's advocating black murder. But in the end, he is basically showing us that we need to take action against the corporations that are funding all these rappers and stuff. Stop listening to it. How many of your listeners out there have children that are between, I guess, 12 and maybe 18 that are letting them listen to all that foolishness? How can how can that be? My children weren't the perfect things, but whenever they heard that stuff, they were not in my presence. I would make try to make sure that they didn't spend a whole lot of time. My children did not play with the neighborhood children. Mm-hmm. My children never graced the halls of a government school. They were in private school or either home school because I took action to make sure that I made enough money. And if I didn't, somehow I would have stayed home because I did not want them indoctrinated into that system. And, yeah, they've heard rap and stuff like that, you know, in the malls, if they got a chance to go to the mall to get some shoes or whatever. But it was not something that was natural and normal in my household. So my children have a good foundation. There's no excuse for most of uh, those of us that are parents, and now I'm I'm a grandparent. There's no excuse. It's laziness, and it's concentrating on other things. Your 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 children are up in their bedrooms with the doors closed, looking at their own computers that you bought them, looking at goodness knows what or listening to goodness knows what, and we don't know what they're doing. Now, we, we look at the kids who killed those people in Columbine and all these other places and wonder, well, how come the parents didn't know they were making guns and bombs in the basement? Those parents weren't paying attention, but we're not paying attention either. So we have to start paying attention to what goes on in our household. We have to make sure that our children have a firm foundation because if they don't, then they're going to end up in trouble. They're going to end up in poverty. We are sick of poverty. There are ways to get out of poverty. Yes, we are behind the eight ball. Yes, if we're on a track with other people, then we have to start out way back. But my father always taught me you've got to be three times better than everybody else. Just because you're a black woman, you got three strikes against you. He told me you're black, mm-hmm. you're a woman, and you're left-handed. <laughs> so, <laughs> and he told me that I have to be three times better than everybody else. I had to put my nose to the grindstone, not partying in college all during the week, 
Yeah. You know, not not hanging with the party crowd because that's no good. And Get these days, so, yeah. exactly. College is very, very much overrated. College has taken the place of the housing bubble and getting people in debt. There yeah. are kids coming out of school with hundred thousand dollar student loans and can't get a job. I know a couple that put their boy through the Wharton School of Business at the University of Pennsylvania. That is the premier business school in the country. Used to be when you graduate from the Wharton School, you were just about guaranteed a six-figure job. Boy comes out and barely making $40,000 a year. Things have changed. College is overrated. My mentors are teaching kids to start their own businesses. You got teenagers out there, early 20s, early 30s, making six figures a year or more in their own home-based business or businesses over the Internet. But how do you learn how to do that? It's not going to be taught on television or on the football game or mm-hmm. on um, what's these other shows the kids watch. I don't know, the rap shows. and all that. It's, not, it's not taught there. Yeah. Television is a distraction to keep you from learning the things that will get you to the point where you – can help yourself and your family and become wealthy. Yeah, and, and you know what? And I, I agree with you on that too because, like, they they put the stuff out there YouTube, and you know, for the artists that's listening out there too, you know, it, they say you can monetize, but if you don't do the research and understand what you're monetizing and how to generate from it, then you won't necessarily know because it's kind of hidden because a lot of people are just doing it because they're following you know, someone else. And they, they don't even try to tell you, you know, so you know, I it's it's a it's a lot of things I could you know, I can go into on you know, uh to agree with you and um I wanna uh not to lose uh focus, I wanted to uh go back on to the goal um we were talking uh we were talking about. Um I you said that it's a way that they can invest in like uh those type of uh materials. Um I noticed on uh, I think on your website uh, you were in, investing in grams of gold. I wanted to talk a little bit about that. When I started buying gold back in two thousand two thousand one, it was three hundred and thirteen dollars an ounce. It shot up to about eighteen hundred, and now it's fluctuating between eleven hundred and thirteen hundred dollars an ounce. People, most people, just can't afford ounces anymore. So carrot bars came along near a German company, and the founder, Harold Seitz, had the idea that even the common people should be able to buy gold. So he started the company. They get the gold from London Bullion Market Association approved refineries, mm-hmm. and they make it in grams. It has a kind bar DNA security on it. So when they place it inside of the little cards, you don't you don't ever have to prove the weight or the quality of the gold because it's like a DNA marking, and, and it's unlike if you try to go sell your earrings or your necklace or your bracelet at one of those places that you see popping up everywhere. Carrot Bars is a German company. They do not ask you for your Social Security number, your slave <laughs> surveillance number. They do not issue 1099s at the end of the year, and they pay very well for people that want to Make a home-based business of it and save in gold at the same time. And I ask people, how would you like to save in gold that's delivered to your front door? This is not digital gold. This is real physical gold. 
How would you like to save in gold that's delivered to your front door and make money at the same time? And it's very simple. I've been involved in Care Bar since September 2012. A pastor and uh, one of his affiliates uh, called me on the phone one day. And when I came home from prison, everybody and their grandma was trying to approach me with all these little home-based businesses and stuff and the network marketing and all that. And I'm very nice to people, and I always keep my financial options open, so I listen to them. And there are some criteria that I have as to whether to get into a business or not. One of them is that the product has to be unique. Yeah. I hate to offend anybody, but I couldn't do Avon or Mary Kay or any vitamins and stuff because yeah. when the people run out, they can go right to Walmart or Target and get more. I don't want Walmart and Target and the local grocery store to be my competition. So when he started talking about gold, I said, okay, gold isn't unique. Another one, the company has to be operational for me internationally, which means that if I decide to get up and go to Timbuktu, I can still operate the company with a cell phone and a decent Internet connection, and that fit, fit the bill. One of the other major ones, I've seen all these companies that you get involved in, but you've got requirements that you have to buy a certain amount of stuff and you have to have an auto ship and you have to pay thirty nine ninety nine or forty nine ninety nine or fifty nine ninety nine a month to keep your back office and keep your website and all that. No yeah. monthly fees, not one mandatory monthly fee in carrot bars. So it started sounding good and it was so funny that when he called me I was on the way to a meeting and I was putting my uh, materials in my truck. And I got so engrossed in the conversation that I locked my keys in the truck and had to get somebody to come and uh, bring the, bring me another set of keys. But it, it has panned out to be, just as he said, uh, gold has been a medium of exchange for thousands of years. And I, I had somebody challenge me on that today, and I said, well, no, gold and silver have been a medium of exchange. Judas exchanged information for 40 pieces of silver over 2,000 years ago, so you can't tell me that. In the Bible, especially in Genesis, gold is mentioned eight times as God's provision for his people. So gold is king. Gold is God's money, and we need to start collecting gold. Because when the dollar goes down, how are you going to feed your family, Chuck? So Carrot Bars has been good. If people want to know about Carrot Bars, they can go to CarrotBarsForWealth.com and look at the, the, the videos on there and study. Because why are people after... After the stock market went down in 2008, Chuck, why are people still putting their money in IRAs, 401Ks, and mutual funds in stock market? The world may never know. <laughs> well, know, I ask people that all the time because I'm curious. I, I, I like to, to know why things are done. And, yeah. and I got two answers. Number one answer is because they don't know any better. They yeah. have not gotten off their behinds to go and do the research to figure out where else to put their money since this thing is just a big game. They haven't been taught any better. They 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 do they're depending on stockbrokers and other people. Stockbrokers make you broker and broker, by the way. They're dependent on stockbrokers to to tell them what to do. So the number one reason is because they don't know any better. The other reason that I've heard is because the pundits keep telling them it's going to bounce back. Yeah. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. So. Uh, I know a lot of wealthy people that have ditched the stock market. They took out whatever was left in there 
and they started investing that in gold and silver and other in real mm-hmm. estate and other hard assets, things that you can hold in your hand. Yeah, the the physical, <laughs> right? The paper, the right. paper money thing. You know what? And, and and it's funny that you say this because it's so many movies coming out now where the the paper money is obsolete. Like you know, I, I've seen um a, a film with uh, Justin Timberlake. It's called In Time. And I saw they, it. And that was just like you know crazy. Like wow, you know what if it it does uh, come to that? And then um. To go even deeper, it was a movie that was supposed to come out uh, last year called Gray State. And uh, they said the director was killed. Um, uh, you know, he committed suicide and he killed his family. And I don't know how true it is or anything. There's so many conspiracies surrounding it. But they said he was in health. He was in healthy spirit and mind to execute that project for it to be, you know, uh, uh uh, released, you know, in, in this year or next year, or whenever it was scheduled to come out. But um, you know, so the, maybe he got suicided. Yes, maybe, <laughs> maybe. Um, you hmm. know, um, I want to ask you now: Are you afraid of um, you know, the government coming down on you again, or or you know, bothering you? If I were afraid of the government coming down on me again, I would not have written a book called How to Stick It to the IRS, Confessions from a Former Insider. I answer to God. God tells me what to do. He told me to tell the people and inform the people that they were being robbed. He's protected me all the way. You know, I've had bad things happen to me, yeah, but he's protected me, and people need to know what's going on. I'm I'm not afraid of man. I answer to God, so no, I'm not. If they do, then they just do. But, you know, the scripture says no weapon formed against me shall prosper. So, Definitely. you know, I, I and, just uh, any- for the information. And, mm-hmm. um, and again, you know, like, um, like I've been listening to your stuff and it just opened my mind up and I say, you know what, let me reach out to this woman and see if I can speak with her. And, you know, if, if we can help some people that's listening, you know, also, mm-hmm, in my mm-hmm. And that's that's what right. it's about. I just want to get that message out. I want to help you get the message out there. And, you know, because it's been informative to me because, you know, I've, I've been talking to my family and my friends about it. And I said, uh, you know what, I'm going to have an interview with her. And, you know, uh, they're listening right now, by the way. Um, well, that's great. People, we I admonish people to come out of their comfort zone. We have been brainwashed and set in fear. We cannot be afraid to do what we need to do to put ourselves and our families in a position that we have the same things that they have. They're not better than us. They just do things differently. And they try to keep their methods a secret at the same time, feeding us all this information overload, the Internet. You know, when I walk down the street, which is rare, even when I drive, I see people with their heads down. When I'm at a restaurant, I see people with their heads down. Mm-hmm. And they're texting, and they're and they're looking at their their uh, internet on their phones, and that's another one of those distractions. My dad said that a police pulled a woman over because she came out into the street, and a police in a car almost hit her. The policeman was behind the car. He put his his uh, his siren on and his lights on, and read the woman the riot act because she walked out into the street with her head down, texting. Also. I, I have to admit, I'm one of those heavy-footed drivers, 
and people are <laughs> in front of me going like two miles an hour. I'm thinking, why are you in the fast lane going two miles an hour? Yeah. So I get around them and I get to the side and what are they doing? They're driving and texting. So outside of the fact that it's very dangerous to do, we have just really, the, the enemy has really done, unfortunately, a great job of keeping us busy, keeping us distracted from the things that we need to be doing for ourselves and our family. And it's so unfortunate. And I am here. I believe God put me on this earth to be one of the people that are that are uh, calling, doing the clarion call, and at the you know on the watchtower to just tell people, hey, it's time to wake up. It's time to turn off the television. It's time to pay attention. Go start you a home-based business, even if you have to do it in the evening. I still have a job, Chuck, because I got a mortgage. I was able to get a house, which mm-hmm. is great, but I have a mortgage. I don't have a car note, but I have a mortgage. Yeah. So I come home from work, and I sit down and relax for about an hour, eat some dinner, and at 7 o'clock, I get to work. You're back to because work. Because I know that needs to be done. I don't even know. I don't have TV. I have a big television right here, one of those big boxy ones. I don't have any flat screen TVs in the house. One of those big old boxy ones here, and I have it connected to Blu-ray so that I can watch, you know, educational DVDs. And I have Netflix because they have great DVDs on Netflix. I don't have cable, and I don't even have access to the local channels like ABC, CBS, and NBC because you have to have uh, analog or dialogue or whatever. I don't have that. I don't. Yeah. I don't have access to. Re- I don't want to watch regular TV. There's enough murder and and rape and suicide and double murder suicide. I don't want to hear all that. Yeah. I know it goes on and it's it's sad, but with me being fifty fifty three years old, I have to concentrate and laser focus on helping our people to thrive instead of just surviving day to day. Now, now has any of the Congress people in, in, in Atlanta um, gotten with you or spoken with you or uh, any of your engagements? No, uh, Cynthia McKinney was my neighbor at my old house. She was about five houses down, and we communicate sort of regularly because although I don't agree with a lot of the social things, you know, on her social issues, we agree on a lot of stuff concerning what's going on with America and all these these so-called wars and all of that. So, yeah, we communicate. And um, But, no, the people, they know what's going on. They are... They're they're towing the line. I talked to them. I tried to reach out to them when I was doing the research, and they didn't want to talk about that because they know, but they're in a comfort zone. They're making a whole bunch of money. They have a lot of power, and they want to keep it. And the few that buck the system, I don't know if you remember a guy from Ohio named Jim Trafficant, they put him in jail because he came out to the meetings that Bob Schultz was having to talk about and discuss the the IRS and and the – the theft of our wages and somebody set him up and he spent time in prison there have been a few more and if you look back in history some of them were killed because of their defiance to the banksters mm. so like i said you know you can you can rap and you can do all these other things and but when you start dealing with the money and telling people the truth about the money then they're you're going to be more than a low flying net on their radar mm. And uh, you you know what that, that reminds me to ask this question too because um uh, we had we had a guy like uh, last year that was uh, he came on he was telling us about UCC law and uh, 
I wanted to know um, if you know if you can elaborate on that and just give us some insight to the listeners that may be listening who don't know what that is and you know how it uh, ties into everything. Well, it's called the Uniform Commercial Code, and, and what's going on is that uh, different people have advocated that we're you know the United States. There's two United States, and we have a straw man, which is all caps. And if you pay attention. When you get things in the mail, normally your name is in all caps. Normally your driver's license is in all caps. I had a uh, an associate that got an insurance policy, and when it came, his name was in all caps. He sent it back to them and told him that his name was in upper and lower case letters and that they should send the policy back to him in upper and lower case letters, and they canceled the policy. So there is truth. To a lot of this stuff, there's truths about the birth certificate or the certificate of live birth and and the Social Security or the slave surveillance number, all those things. As a matter of fact, let me um, regress and go about my trial. The government's first three exhibits in my trial were, number one, my driver's license, number two, mm-hmm. my Social Security card, and number three, my bank signature card. So all of those things do come into play. Education about these things is okay, but nine times out of ten, just because you know the truth, they ignore the truth. So I've seen people that walk into a bank or go up against the bank and say, I really don't owe this debt because you cannot lend credit. And and they won the case, and six months later, they the the credit card company come back against them, so they have all that money, and we have limited resources, and they keep hammering us. It's going to take. It's not going to take changing the players. It's going to take changing the game, and I don't know what that's going to take. I don't advocate violence or anything like that, but education about what's really going on is the key. And and I don't know if you've heard of the last poets. You know, I, I come from back in yeah. the day. My father had a thousand jazz albums back in the sixties and seventies, and all of that. But there was one <laughs> of their poems called "Certain People, Black Folks." They didn't say black folks are scared of the revolution. We cannot be scared of the revolution. We cannot sit in a comfort zone and say everything's okay because. My family's bringing in six figures, and I have a Lexus and a Mercedes-Benz and a yeah. house that's $300,000. That's where, that's where most people are. When I talk to people, people like you that are conscious, you know, we click, we start hitting it off. We have conversations about how we're going to help and how we're going to come together as a community. But the folks who think they have a little bit of money and have those little government or corporate yeah. jobs, yeah. What it takes for them to join us is a pink slip. That's what it takes when they get a yep. pink slip and they can't go find another job making That's that it. much money <laughs> because the, the, the jobs in IT are going offshore to Indian companies. Then mm-hmm. they start thinking about what's really going on. Definitely. Uh, and I've seen that time and time again <laughs> on, on on all avenues. It's a, it's a crazy thing. Um, I know you got. Let me say this: I don't, I don't advocate not getting educated about that, but yeah. I would caution people that spend a lot of time educating themselves on all these different things about the government because you can, you can have a head full of knowledge. You can, you can have one of those big old waterheads like on Star Trek, 
But then yeah. what are you going to do with it if they're not paying attention? They're not following their own law. You're learning it, but they're not following yeah. it. So how are you going to overcome? You overcome by making sure that you put things in place for yourself and your family and the people in yeah. your environment. Definitely. I definitely agree, agree with you there. I, I wouldn't even, <laughs> without a doubt. Um, I was going to ask you, I know you got a couple of events uh, lined up because it was, it was hard to get you on this one. But uh, what's some of the things you got uh, coming up and what's, what's some of the cities you're going to be in? Well, I'm kicking off this year. I'll be speaking on this coming Saturday in Atlanta with my millionaire mentor. Uh, what he's doing is he's giving three seminars in one day. They're three three-hour mm-hmm. seminars, one at 9 a.m., one at 1.31 a.m., and one at 6 a.m. And he'll be teaching the history of wealth because if we don't understand that, then, you know, we're not going to make it. He's a, he's a brother out of out of Tampa, and he is a very dynamic speaker. I've I've known him for a very short time, but he has turned out to be who he says he is. So if people want to attend that event, the website for that one is MoneyTreeSeminars.com. That's MoneyTreeSeminars.com. I will be speaking at the 9 a.m. and the 6 p.m. event. My first personal event will be on the 27th of February, and I will have a how to stick it to the IRS one-day all-intensive boot camp. I had to switch webmasters. So my new webmaster has is is in a learning curve and he doesn't have the website up yet but if people are interested in finding out not only about the how to stick it to the IRS one day intensive workshop but the escape the rat race one will be March I want to say 12th those items will be up on my sherrypeeljackson.org they will be up on my Facebook, which is Sherry Peel Jackson. My other Facebook is Escape the Rat Race with Sherry Peel Jackson. And I will have YouTube videos up soon to announce these events. So if they subscribe to Sherry Peel Jackson on YouTube, they'll actually see me live talking about it and describing the books and the workshops. So that's my blog site, sherrypeeljackson.org, my Facebook Escape the Rat Race with Sherry Peel Jackson and regular Sherry Peel Jackson and my YouTube channel if you subscribe to that. I put a couple of YouTube videos up yesterday from the last seminar that I did in November, just short clips. But I will be putting those videos up once um, my uh, new webmaster gets up to speed, which will be within the next couple of weeks. So I will be speaking on the 20. 9th and 30th because my mentor is doing a millionaire in a year workshop that people can learn about also uh, on the 16th. So they'll 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 be able to to attend these events. I would like to be in Dallas. I would love to be in Houston. I'd love to be in LA, San Diego. LA is probably the most firm one right now. Yeah. Uh and Charlotte. And I want to come up to New York also because I have people that want me to come to New York. So that schedule is firming up soon. And if people subscribe at SPJ, those are my initials, S is in Sherry, P is in Peel, J is in Jackson, SPJEvents.com, 
then once the webmaster gets it to, gets it together, those events will pop up and people will be able to register for those. Okay, now if, if we if some of the uh, people listening wanted to get in contact with you uh, as far as setting you up for uh, a speaking engagement in, let's just say, New Jersey or anywhere, how would they uh, get in contact with you? They would go to sherrypeeljackson.org and fill out the little information on the side and then send me an email, and I'll get that immediately. I would love for that to happen. You know, it's uh, I'm getting to the point where I can afford to to pay for these trips, but I don't want to go and there be five people. So I like to yeah. coordinate with people in that town so that yeah. I won't go up there and spend $400 on a plane ticket and, and hotel rooms and all that other stuff and have five yeah. people in the room. So I love to coordinate with people that have you know a group of people that want to hear what's really going on. I love to do that. Definitely. Um, have Have you ever uh, uh, visited uh, Philadelphia, uh, Black and Nobel? I have only been to Philadelphia one time. My cousin was living there, and I was there for a trial. Uh, one of one of those of us that are in the tax movement, Larkin Rose, was being tried, and I was there for that. But that's the only time I've been to Philly. Now I've been to New Jersey a lot. I've been to. I had a friend that lived in Hackensack. I had an aunt that lived in Teaneck. So oh, I've been wow. a, I've been around there and in New York. And I have a pastor that has me come up every year to um, New Haven, Connecticut, to speak. Oh, okay. Yeah. Next time you're in Jersey, you got to look us out. That's right. That's right. <laughs> now I'm not coming up there when it's cold. Now it's going to have to be in uh, the summertime. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, got to be in the summer. I, I know that. But we've been having uh, a hot winter this this winter uh, for some reason. Yes. Oh, we have to. It's been wonderful. I've been, I, two days before Christmas, I had on flip flops and no, I'm take that back. Two days before New Year's, I had on flip flops and a t-shirt. Oh yeah, that's <laughs> that, that's a <laughs> that's a uh, Merry Christmas right there. That's the first one. Yes. I had. Um, you you mentioned you have um. Uh, children, do they help you uh, in any way as um, far as um, speaking engagements and with the book? Are they involved in any um, No, my son, when he was younger, in high school, used to go on to speaking engagements with me. My children are both in college, so my, my daughter uh, is now a mother, so she's actually working and going to college, and my son just started grad school, um, I think on the 5th, so... You know they they support me in other ways, but they they're busy trying to make their lives happen, and that's what I want to happen. So at some point or another, they may want to get involved in you know traveling. But I actually have a cousin that travels with me, and she helps me at these events. Okay. Yeah, I do. But yeah, I have not- a lot of family support. I, all my family stuck they stuck with me. They understand because they they may not have done a lot of research, but they did do some research, and they know that what I'm saying is true. So they supported me. And um, you won a lot of awards, too, uh, when you were working um, with the IRS. Um, now, do do you still have any problems with them? Like, you know, do the, like, is there any things that, you know, you can't do um, that they kind of, like, mess with you on? No, I'm just like every other regular person. Uh, when I got out of prison, they came back and said I owed them $384,000 because mm-hmm. of those years that I had not filed tax returns. As you recall, I said I had a CPA firm, and yeah. I was making six figures. And yeah. um, so when I got out, they were saying, oh, you owe all this money back from those years. I said, wait a minute now. Wait a minute. 
You put me in prison for those years. That's double jeopardy if you try to make me pay, you know, money on those years because yeah. I already paid my dues in prison. Well, there was nothing called double jeopardy, for you know, in when it comes down to that, and they were asking for this money. So yeah. um, to make a long story short, I talked to the Lord. I said, Lord, you're the one that told me to go tell the people that they're they're being robbed. And I can't walk around. You know, I've already been through all this stuff, and, you know, the marriage has failed and all this, and I can't walk around with $384,000 um, burden over my head. You know, with yeah. them, you know, I don't want them coming and try to take money from my job and all this other stuff. So I need you to move on this because you told me to do it, and he did. And uh, now it's zero. Okay. Um, there, is a, there is a great, I only trust two lawyers. One of them is not a tax lawyer. One of them is. His name is Mac McPherson. He's out of uh, Phoenix, Arizona. His website is beatirs.com, and he beatirs.com for me. Okay. I, I was going to ask you, what, what, what's some advice you can give to, like, uh, young entrepreneurs that are starting a business and they're, they're going to get registered with the state or the city they, that they live in to operate? Uh, what's some advice you can give to them starting up a business and dealing with the IRS? Well, they they need to stay in compliance with the zoning laws and all that to make sure that they don't come and have their business shut down because of anything. But what they need to do is focus on businesses that won't be just like a job, taking their dollars for hours. Yeah. They need to do the online businesses, a whole bunch of online other kids. Business. Yeah. So, for instance, if you uh, do some research and find out that widgets are selling, a whole lot on Amazon or eBay, and you yeah. go and find you uh, a private label person that's going to do a private label for you, and you make a deal with that person to to give them five dollars per widget, and then you turn around with your private label and put them on Amazon or eBay for let's say twenty dollars, and you get a whole bunch of your friends to go in and review your product and give it rave reviews, it's going to run to the top. So when people want to buy widgets, they're going to click on yours. Mm-hmm. And when they click on it, your supplier with the private label is going to ship it straight to them. That's how these folks are making money. It's not all that hard. It's going to take some time and a learning curve. And if we turn off the television and all these video games with these zombies and, and killer, yeah. killer one, two, and three and all these, city killer, I don't know, name it, whatever they are, <laughs> then our kids will be able to make a whole bunch of money. There's there's kids, there's white kids, black kids, Indian kids, uh, Asian kids, all these kids making a whole bunch of money because they've learned the secret to Internet marketing. Everybody's buying stuff on the Internet. I go on the Internet to buy yeah. stuff. I need to If I need to buy something, nine times out of ten, it's cheaper for me to get it on the Internet. Yeah, that's so true. I'll go out on the Internet, and there may be six or seven of them that I can choose from. But the, the the trick is to get yours to the top. So I just told somebody how they can make a million dollars this year. Yeah. Just by going out there and listening to these webinars to teach you how to sell on the Internet. Now, the uh, the alternative to that is to create your own product. If you don't want to yeah. private label another product that's uh, selling, create your own product. It could be a book. It could be some kind of a device, uh, an invention. Now, when you talk about the inventions, you got to worry about um, – getting them patented and all that so nobody will steal it. But a lot of these kids have a whole lot of great ideas. Find a need in the community 
and, and figure out a way to meet that need, and then you're going to help people and make money at the same time. I agree with you on that. That that right there is uh is a jewel right there, ladies and gentlemen. If you you guys are listening, I see we got a couple people in the chat room. If y'all got any questions, y'all want to ask Miss Jackson, go ahead and type it. I relay it to her. And if you want to call in and ask any questions, the number is nine one seven eight eight nine eight two nine seven. And um, I wanted to ask you again. Um, you know, far as um internet businesses because um. A lot of kids. You, you were speaking about kids that uh, started internet companies and making a lot of uh, of money right now. Um, in urban areas right now, what would you say is the the uh, main uh, reason they don't know about the, these uh, avenues? A lot of urban kids, unfortunately, are worried about where their next meal are coming from. My mother worked for the Cab County school system for thirty years, and now she's retired, and they call her in as a sub. And she does kindergarten and first grade. And the children come in cussing her out, calling her OB and all the other stuff like that. And they, they a lot of times they're hungry and they have to concentrate on survival. It's like survival. Once yeah. you get past surviving, then you can start thinking about stuff like that. But if our kids are stuck in just survival mode, making sure they stay away from windows at night mm-hmm. so that there won't be a drive-by, if they have that on the mind, then, no, they're not going to be thinking about sitting up dreaming about, okay, well, maybe I can make me a product that I can sell on the Internet. But in our middle-class neighborhoods, our children have been pampered and spoiled, and they're expecting something for nothing because their parents give them a whole bunch of stuff and don't even make them cut the grass and clean up the kitchen a lot of times. So they're not thinking about, how can I make more money? Because they think the gravy train from the parent is going to continue to come. And when it doesn't, they have not been taught to think strategically and be a problem solver in the government schools. So they're going to rush out and go to the military, or they're going to go get a J-O-B. Mm. Our, our communities are suffering because we as adults, are not reaching back because we're not paying attention. Teach something that you don't know. If you're the one that's guilty of sitting up there watching the Atlanta Housewives and all that other foolishness on TV, how are you going to reach back and teach your children and your grandchildren what they should be doing to make sure that their finances are straight so when the wheels come off, they won't be in the in the street rioting or trying to rob other people of their stuff because people like me, that are preparing know there are a whole lot of people out there that are not preparing. And we're not only preparing financially, but we're preparing to fight. You think I'm sitting up in here not ready? I'm 86% proficient in the kill zone, and I go to the range. Mm. This is no joke. Yeah, I... I I know this is uh, this is something serious here. Uh, <laughs> I want to I want you to say you go to the range, though. I go to the range because shoot, I'm not gonna have nobody step to me talking about. I know this lady got a garden in her backyard. I just, yeah. as a matter of fact, my son because I wasn't feeling good last Saturday, he pulled mm-hmm. my kale, my broccoli, and my collars. And right now, I, I cooked the kale early in the week, and I just cooked some collars and some broccoli. But I'm not I'm not playing. Yeah, I got a garden out there, and I'm getting ready to do, when spring comes, I'll do an inside and outside spring garden. My dad said he's going to make me a greenhouse. So I'll be mm. prepared to eat something 
but I'll be prepared to, prepared to protect what I worked for. One of the worst things you can do to people is mm-hmm. after they work hard for something, steal it from them. And that's what the IRS does, but also other people do that. So people better know not to step to me like that because I don't play. I got semi-automatic up in here. I don't play. Mm. <laughs> I'm, I'm scared of you, Miss Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, I, I, again, too, um, you know, I know you got a, 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 a slew of events coming up. Um, if you could just put that back out there, because I'm getting people asking me, like, when, where is she going to be at next week? You know, so if you could put okay. that. Okay. Um, I will be at the Double Tree on La And Vista I hope they're writing it down. I hope everybody's writing yeah. it down. Okay, I'm going to go back to give the website again. It's called, this okay. is my mentor's event. This is not my event. My okay. mentor, the person that I'm following to get the resources to make sure that my family is okay. His name is Myron Golden. He wrote a book called From the Trash Man to the Cash Man. So he went from making $6.50 an hour as a trash man to making millions. And he trains other people, and I'm one of the trainees. So the website for that event is MoneyTreeSeminars, with an S, dot com. It will be on the 16th of January at the Double Tree. La Vista Road in Tucker. Tucker is a suburb of Atlanta. It's about maybe 20 miles north of downtown, pretty centrally located. There will be three of the same seminar given, one at 9 a.m., again at 1.30, and again at 6. So people have three different choices. If people have meetings and baseball games, not baseball, I guess whatever season, basketball games or whatever for their children and stuff in the morning, then they can come to the 1.30 or the 6. If people are working on Saturday, if they work 9 to 5, then they can come to the 6. So there'll be it's a free seminar. He's actually paying everybody's way. And when they register at MoneyTreeSeminars.com, they will be getting a free download from him about the history of wealth. So I'll be speaking at the 9 a.m., and at the 6 p.m. on that day. At that event, he will be announcing the Millionaire in a Year boot camp, which is going to be the 29th and 30th of January. So basically two weeks later, same hotel. He's going to announce that, and people will be able to get the knowledge that I got that got me to the point where I can come out and put out two books at the same time and launch my career back again because, you know, prior to the prison thing, I was speaking a lot, and that's what I like to do. So I'll be speaking on a regular basis because, uh, you know, my children are older and I'm mm-hmm. single. So, you know, I can go. I can I can, I can, can do that. You know, most of my, my seminars will probably be Saturdays because people work Monday through Friday. However, you know, I may do some on a Monday for pastors. I really want to help the pastors. So there are pastors out there that need help. And not from somebody that's scaring them to death about going to jail. Yeah. Somebody that's been in there and knows the ins and outs yeah. uh, from auditing ministers for two and a half years of my career. So those are the things that I'll be doing. My first event will be on the 27th of February. It will actually be a How to Stick It to the IRS one-day intensive workshop. Okay. It'll be at that same Double Tree. I like Double Tree. I like their cookies. Okay. <laughs> the, the best thing about you know they're they're a nice property, but I mm-hmm. really love they have the best cookies. So I I actually uh, get cookies and coffee. I don't I don't uh, have people sitting up there hungry. 
So that event, like I said, was going to be February 27th. And my escape, the rat race event, is going to be March 12th at that same hotel. After that, I'll be traveling. I will more than likely be in L.A. the first, second, or third weekend in April. I don't know yet because I have another event that I'm trying to find out the dates of that event because that event will be one of those weekends and I want to speak in LA during that time. So LA will be April. I'd like to do Charlotte in February if I can, but again, I need people, you know, to um help me find nice hotels like the Double Tree that uh I can partner with and I need people to help me fill the rooms because last year I did a little speaking and got some hotels and uh, one particular meeting, I had five people. And, uh, well, I take that back. That was a last-minute situation where I was supposed to speak somewhere and it fell through. So I went and spoke. Uh, I spoke in Detroit, which is my home anyway. I was supposed to be speaking in Cleveland, and that okay. fell through. So since I had the ticket, I actually did fly into Cleveland and went on to Detroit and spoke. But I, I would like to... Um, if people would subscribe to the blog site SherryPeelJackson.org and to my mm-hmm. Facebook and the YouTube, then they'll know when I'm planning something. And uh, Chuck, I found something, and I guess it was going on before I left. But people, one of the things about people are is uncertainty. They don't do things in advance. When when I hear about something, I clear my schedule for it. If I want to go and if I don't want to go, I don't. But a lot of people just wait until the very last minute to do things. And and you can't, people like me can't plan. You know, I can't plan that way. I'm the same way. Yeah, me neither. I've had meetings where I had 15 people registered and 95 people show up. But then I've I've had other meetings where I had 17 people registered and three show up. So I don't know what's going on with people. It's just like they just decide at the last minute that they're going to come or not going to come. But that we got we got to get to the point where we have uh, a lot more integrity to, than that. If you want to come, go ahead and sign up and yeah. uh, and and just make it. it. Don't decide that because it's raining or because it's a beautiful balmy day outside, I'm not going to go because this stuff yeah. is much more important than going to the yeah. park. Yeah, and it's much you know, more important so. than that weather. <laughs> yeah, you know? but I would really love to partner with some people in different cities. As a matter of fact, if people uh, want to do that, then I'll more than likely be to their city before I'll be to any other one uh, if they have people that they have lined up that they, uh, you know, if they have groups already that uh, meet or whatever, that'll yeah. help because I don't want to spend the money that I do, you know, that I'm starting to make. Uh, to come up to a meeting that has five people. Definitely. Um, I was gonna, the, the other question I want to ask. I got a few more questions, and then um, you know uh, we we could pretty much sign off and call it. Um, uh, one of the questions was um, about the um, the incarceration. They said it, uh, it was rumors. I don't know how true it was that you were suffering for cancer. And that no one was, uh, you know, giving you medical attention when you were incarcerated. Is that any truth to that? Uh, I was it, I was ill, but it wasn't cancer. What ended up happening was 
I developed a thyroid situation. And 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 as I learned, it's all disease is disease. And in the summer of 2009, I had basically had it. I was just done mentally with having to deal with all those women and all the drama because I'm a, I don't like drama and I don't like yeah. ignorance. And for the most part, those women were just not the type of women that you could rationally deal with. So I yeah. to myself a lot, and I was at a, a prison camp that you had to have a job. So I worked in the church chapel, and um, I just went and did my job and went back to my little queue. This was this prison was a prison camp. It was like the way I can describe it is a, is a rundown college campus. You had the freedom to walk around, but you couldn't go past certain parameters, or you'd get five years for escape. So there were no bars, there were no gates, there was no barbed wire, anything like that. You just knew your boundaries couldn't go. And there were factories in the back where the, where the I'm going to go ahead and say it, where the field niggas had to work. And then I was a house nigga because <laughs> I got to work in the chapel. And the chapel, the education uh, department, and the library. Mm-hmm. And most of the quote-unquote educated women got to work in the chapel, the library, or the education department. And so I worked in the chapel and made 44 cents an hour, but I got to the point where I, I, I just was done. I said, I can't do this anymore, and I said that in my mind, and my mind just kind of did that click thing, and the the, the few women, the women that I did get close to, they were shaking me saying, you know, something's wrong. You know, what's wrong? You're not yourself, and uh, even my boss, you know, pulled me in the office one day and said, I don't know what's wrong with you. I don't know what's going on, but you're not yourself. I'm not taking it personally, but you got to snap out of this. You got to start journaling or you got to do something else. I developed a thyroid situation called hyperthyroid where my thyroxin was kicking out too much and it caused my heart rate to go up. So for days on end, I didn't know when I, when I would go to bed at night, it was like I was running a marathon. My heart was racing, racing like I was in a, in a real 26 mile marathon every day. And it got to the point one night where I thought my heart was going to jump out of my chest. So I got up and went to the officer station, told the guys I was having a heart attack got taken to the hospital, and that's when they found out. I had lost 11 pounds, and, you know, I didn't know it. You know, during the day I was sort of okay because I was busy. But uh, they weren't – then the hospital gave them medication, sent me back after a week because I was in a week week in the hospital, told told the prison to monitor it because they didn't know how much of a dosage I needed. They didn't monitor it. I was, you know, taking the medicine and – they were supposed to do some tests. They didn't do the test, and I got sicker, sicker, sicker. What was happening? It was the medi- the medication was too much for my little body because I'm only five feet tall. Got really sick. My uh, neck swollen like a puffer fish, and I could mm. hardly talk. My lips turned black like I had been a lifetime smoker, and some other medical things that I don't want to talk about over the phone. And then I got really scared that I was going to die, and uh, so called home to my then-husband and told him what was going on. When I was in the hospital the first time, mm-hmm. they don't tell, they don't call the families and say, hey, your loved one is in the hospital. They don't do that. What would happen is that a few women that were friends of each other, two or three, would exchange telephone numbers and family names and get their relatives, their friends, family information and telephone numbers. So yeah. in in my household, my then-husband knew the name of my friends and their husbands and their children and their telephone numbers. 
So when someone gets sick, the person will call home and say, hey, you know my friend George or let's say, you know my friend Barbara? She really got sick today, and she had to go to the hospital. Now, it's because the, the phones were monitored, but that, that person at, at your house would know to get that telephone number out and call Barbara's family. Mm-hmm. So somebody called. Somebody got a hold of my husband, and he got a hold to my pastor, and the pastor got a hold to um, one of the attorneys at my church. And that attorney was good friends with the congressman, Congressman Hank Johnson, uh, which was a U.S. congressman. Now, I used to be Hank Johnson and his wife's CPA way back in the day when they just had a law firm and he wasn't a congressman. So he called the prison and he got all the information and, and called my pastor and said, well, she's in the hospital. Nobody should go down there right now because she's not being, she's not going to be able to function. Go down there a week after that. And so my family started making rounds when I got yeah. home, when I got back to the uh But after that, when I got sick that time, the second time and my neck swelled up, I called home and I told my husband what had happened. He immediately got in touch with Hank Johnson. And he also, because I had a fan base back then, and they would constantly email him and ask him, how's Sherry, how's Sherry? So yeah. he took it upon himself to do a long, he, he took it upon himself to write an email saying that Sherry's in, in physical trouble, her health is failing. And he attached the detailed email that I sent him about all the stuff that was going on with my body. And those people were irate. Those From those 40 people, that thing went viral all over the world. Ron yeah. Paul of Texas got involved. I was just going to um, ask you that question, how did it, it uh, yeah. get his attention? And uh, they, somebody, somebody got in touch with Ron Paul. He started an investigation. Uh, Hank Johnson's line was blowing up for three days. They were calling the head of the uh, health department and the Bureau of Prison. It was crazy. And yeah. one of the... Patriot newspapers put out an article that said, will, will the feds kill Sherry Jackson? That paper got sent to the prison. And when the prison wardens saw that paper, they snatched me up out of that prison camp and sent me to a real prison, an FCI, and put me in the hole. And mm-hmm. I, I stayed in the hole for five months. No shoes, no hair comb, just, you know, in a hole. I was in a cell by myself for five months from December all the way through May, because my, see, I was, my family was supposed to come visit for Christmas, and they didn't know where I was, because those people snatched me and took me to Tallahassee. I was in Coleman, Florida, which is about uh, an hour north of Tampa. So that's what they did to retaliate for the fact that I, I, I outed them. Wow. So, yeah, that's what happened. But when I was at that, that prison, the real prison where, the, you know, women murderers and all that were, they did treat the... the 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 situation, it did treat my um the thyroid issue, and I still am you know monitoring my thyroid to make sure that it doesn't get out of whack. It has done it before, but I keep a monitor on that. So, and I lost the tooth, and those are my two physical issues that uh, you know that happened. That happened, yeah. I, um. I came across those um, those articles, and there were so many different ones. I didn't know which one to believe. It was the thing of cancer. Then it was saying that uh, you were being abused by the uh, by the officers, and there was so many different things. And um, 
the uh, the Ron Paul uh, situation. Uh, when he got his attention, I want to ask you this too. Um, when because uh, Ron Paul is a, a Republican, I, I believe, and mm-hmm. um, and you know a lot of people get into those uh, debates of Democrat Republican and everything, and um, for him to be a Republican to uh, actually get what what was it? He gave you a pardon, got you a pardon. No, Ron Paul. In the, see, I, I was friends with Ron Paul before this situation. Ron Paul was also in that movie, America, Freedom, and Fascism. And Ron Paul yeah. had been to some conferences that I was a part of. So I had, you know, met him and his wife, and he was familiar with me. And you know, we've been in a few circles together. And then when he and when he found out that that was going on, he started an investigation at the prison. So the day that I got shipped away, earlier in the day, I was called to the medical department to sign papers, to re- release papers for Ron Paul to do the investigation. And I, and I definitely signed them. And, and then later on, when they found out that I was in a newspaper, um, that's when they snatched me up. But that Democrat, Republican, Jew, Christian, Muslim, black, white, green, all that stuff is just another divide and conquer situation. And, yeah, you know, we had some issues in the past. And, yeah, I do believe that we have post-traumatic slave um, syndrome, and, and, you know, that's that's something that's real. However, what we need to be concentrating on now is how are we going to fix this thing? How are we going to fix this? Um, the Re- Republicans and the Democrats are sleeping in the same bed and they're screwing us all. How can they be any different when – how many years? Uh, almost a hundred years, nothing really has changed. We're still yeah. declining as a country. We're still increasing in debt. Our economies, uh, our jobs are going overseas. It doesn't matter whether there's a Democrat or a Republican in office. You can't change the players. you got to change the game. Definitely. So I don't care whether a person is a Democrat or Republican or anything like that. The way the system is, it has to be shut down and start over because those people get in Congress, and as soon as they get in there, their main focus is staying there for the rest of their lives, and they start mm-hmm. campaigning and they start raising money. The Democrats in there are just as rich as the Republicans. The Democrats claim they're going to get all these entitlements for the people, and the people want entitlements. And then the, the Republicans turn around and say they're going to protect everybody from ISIS, and everybody mm-hmm. wants to be protected. But the real agenda is to keep them in power and keep them wealthy and keep us slaves. Definitely. Um, I want to ask you your opinion on the uh, presidential um, election um, coming up. (laughs) (laughs) Who do you think we might end up having? You know, it really, again, it really doesn't matter. Because if you don't change the game, nothing else is going to change. You got this rabbit out in front called Donald Trump that has all these different issues, and he's a, he's rally, rallying the people because they're tired of all these people coming in and taking the jobs. And then you got these other people, and you got mm-hmm. Hillary. The, <laughs> I'm not a Democrat, and I'm not a Republican. I'm a Christian. Mm-hmm. And I go with I would go with the person that lines up better with God's agenda for us. God started this country, you know, a long time before any of these people were on this side of the world, Mm -hmm. and a lot has happened. And 
I just I'm just not the political type at this point. I used to I used to be involved until I realized that this whole political thing is a game to keep them in power and control. And I've dropped out of all that and started mm-hmm. saying, let's start our own communities and, and regardless of what happens with who's in the presidency or who's the mayor, who's the governor, yeah. let us be self-sufficient. Let us be the ones that are self-sustaining. Let us take self-responsibility for ourselves and what our children do. And that way we're going to be at peace because I don't want anything in my life to depend on what a president does or what a governor does or what a mayor does. I don't. So I really don't care. I really don't care who's up there because nothing changes. When Bill Clinton was up there, the same crap that was going on mm-hmm. with the spying as when Bush was up there. Same thing with Obama. The same things that they want to push through on the people, either they're going to get them through Congress or an executive order. So let us encapsulate ourselves, divest ourselves from government and corporations. Uh, the other question I want to ask you too, um, on gun law, on the gun law, um, what do you think? Um, you think they're going to succeed in taking the guns from the people? No. Don't, no. No. Well, cars don't kill people. That's true. So if it, you know, so why why are you not going to take all the cars with all of the people that are driving around drunk and killing folks? So, um. If they take the guns from the regular people, then the criminals are not going to give up the guns. Um, there is a city in Georgia, and it's about 40 minutes north of Atlanta called Kennesaw. Everybody in Kennesaw is required, every homeowner in Kennesaw is required to have a gun. Kennesaw has one of the lowest crime rates. In the country, you say it's one of the lowest. It has one of the lowest. Yes, yes, because every homeowner is required to have a gun. Wow. Criminals and, go where there's a gun-free zone. You don't want to go. Criminal knows he, if he knows that somebody, <laughs> if he knows that he's gonna step up to somebody that has some some heat. Then he'll go in a place that where people, you know, the flower children are. Now, it's interesting to me that the president is trying to push through this gun thing, but he has the Secret Service with all those guns protecting him. Mm-hmm. But he don't want me to be protected. That's just the observation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's just well, the we- I live. I live. I live in a neighborhood. That you can consider the hood. There's shootings all the time. As a matter of fact, the the I, I bought this house in December of 2013, and I, and it wasn't moveable yet, if that's a word, because it needed some work. So I would come over here and try to look clean up and do some things. And uh, on New Year's Eve, well, on New Year's Day when I came over here with my buckets and cleaning stuff, they had shot up my house. I had at least 17 bullet holes and. They just had a good time because they thought the house was un, un, you know, unoccupied. So yeah, I live in the hood. Uh, that doesn't mean anything. I don't plan on moving. I don't. Why would I go and get a more expensive house? You know, now that I'm, I'm making a little bit of money. Why would I go and get a, An expensive a more, more expensive house? Yeah. Why would I do that? 
that see that's what we do as a people. As soon as we start making a little bit of money, we we create the expenses to go along with the money, and then we're back in that earn spend cycle again. I'm not doing that. I stay right here in my little hood house. It's big enough for everything that I need to do. My mortgage is under seven hundred dollars a month, mm-hmm. and I'll continue to do the investing and to do the things that I need to do. So yeah, that's what I'm, I'm teaching people to do. Don't just increase your expenses because you got a raise or because you got more money coming in. I know people who received inheritances. I'm at that age right now where people's parents are passing. And mm. instead of taking the money and investing in something worthwhile, they're going to buy brand new cars, BMWs and stuff like that. And I'm like, oh, Lord help us. But anyway, yeah, so, dollars pair of sneakers. <laughs> yeah, that kind of thing. But we, we need to be taught money management. You know, our parents were probably the worst people to teach us because they weren't taught. But now that, yeah. you know, there are people out there talking, my goodness, let's listen to the ones that are telling us the truth, not the ones that are telling you to put your money in the stock market. Definitely. Ms. Jackson, I appreciate you coming on the air. Um, I need to have you back on another time, too, for part two, if you don't mind coming back. It would be my pleasure, Chuck. And, um, and you know, just just to you know, you know, get in debt with some of the things you're doing because the gold thing that we were just talking about—that's something I would, you know, I'm interested in knowing more about. So I'm gonna actually uh, hit you up after after the show, um, just for a little bit of m- more info for my personal. Um, and again, you know, just to have you back on and just stay, you know, in the loop with you and 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 you know, see what's going on and any ways we can help promote. Yeah, that would be my pleasure because that's what we need to do. We need to make sure that people have the opportunity to learn the things that they need to learn. We can't make them listen, but we can put it out there, and prayerfully your listeners will tell others to go and listen so that we can be informed and, and discontinue being ignorant. Definitely. Um, again, I, I I want to just tell you it's an honor to have you on. I appreciate you coming on. and. Any any time you know you, you you know you want to come on and you want to just broadcast with us it's it's it's, it's open. We got a, a part of the show called Ministry of Information, where we like to share things like this um, with you know uh, the multitude of people that listen to us. That's you know conscious, you know. Okay. And, um Again, we would love to bring you back on, and it's, it's been an honor. And I thank you for coming on. Well, thank you, Chuck, for having me on the show. It's been a pleasure, and you have a blessed evening. And you too. Okay. Bye-bye. Miss Sherry Pill Jackson, y'all, former IRS agent. Um definitely enlightening the multitude of people out here. This is some of the things we need to keep doing, y'all, you know, and I'm glad that everybody tuned in tonight first fan radio worldwide we are the industry and we're going to take you guys up out of here uh with one of my personal uh records right here. Um this is uh from uh the archives if we got this record in here. You know, uh this this comes from um Marco uh Polo. And I don't see it in here, so I'm gonna have to get at a few of you guys, you know what I mean? But Mar- Marco, man, we're gonna get that on for you. You know what I mean? But uh we taking everybody up out of here tonight, man, with the first fan radio. We are the industry. Um Outro, you know what I mean? Uh, And this is uh, 
We are the Industry Mixtape Series. We are, we are the Industry Mixtape Series. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from, with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.